again, everybody. Thanks for tuning in and welcome to episode two of Action Research Podcast. Somehow, the first podcast dedicated solely to action research. My name is Adam Stieglitz, PhD candidate at the University of Louisville and co-founder of the Andean Alliance for Sustainable Development, a social change organization in the highlands of Peru. And I'm Joe Levitan, assistant professor and graduate program director at McGill University, as well as the co-founder of the Sacred Valley Project and the Payata Community Education Center, also in the highlands of Peru. We are your hosts for this podcast. So in episode one, we broke down a few definitions to help understand what action research is, and we ended up identifying the following four major characteristics. Achieving change, having it be participatory or focused on action as the researcher, so doing the work as well as doing the research. Collaborative, so defining the process and the problem together, as well as self-reflexive. So thinking about how our own positionality, our own identities play and affect the context where we work. In discussions that we had post-production, we realized that these are still pretty lofty ideas for somebody interested in learning more about action research. So we decided for episodes two and three to try to put some context behind them. We thought the best way to do that for now is to introduce our own research and the ways in which those characteristics that we mentioned above are or are not being represented in our own work, in our lives, and in the fields that uh, we embody. Joe and I are in different phases of our career as researchers, so our hope is that we can offer you, our listener, a couple diverse perspectives of what action research looks like in the field. We will be interviewing each other and pushing ourselves to take a deep look at action research through our own practices. So I think I'm going to go first. Joe, what questions do you have for me? Yeah, so uh, to get started, why don't you first tell me about how you got into doing action research? Sure. I, it's, a, it's a good question because in hindsight, I kind of realized that I've been doing action research for about a decade without intentionally making the decision to do action research. Mm-hmm. Um, as, a, as a professional in the field of social change and nonprofit, management. Um, I've been, as a founder of the Andean Alliance, I've been down here in Peru. I'm working with local communities um, to help address various issues related to how, well, frankly, the community defines issues that they face that largely has to do with agriculture and growing vegetables in, in high altitude regions up here. So through the process of starting our organization and working with communities, I realized that I was taking a very participatory bottom-up approach to how our organization was supporting indigenous communities in the Andes. And it wasn't until I started becoming critical of my own work and uh, eventually applying to a PhD program at the University of Louisville to explore the work that we're doing that I kind of made the explicit connection that this is what I've been doing and it was something that I decided to put more attention towards through my dissertation research. Yeah, that's interesting because that's also kind of how I got into action research. I applied to a PhD program. Uh, I was at Penn State. And when I got in, you know, people were talking about various research methods. And I realized that when somebody mentioned action research, I'd actually done that too. So it's, it's kind of interesting. I wonder how many other action researchers kind of fell into action research too. I'd be curious. The research you're going to be talking about today then is your dissertation research, right? That is correct. So let's uh, hear a little bit about your dissertation work. So another approach that our organization takes to working with communities and the ways in which we work with communities is by partnering with universities and bringing uh, faculty and students with specific skills into our organizational 
programs and our organization's programs and to help us do research or perhaps address certain program design issues in the field. I have a quick follow-up question. I just want to know kind of when you said what the community identified as issues, I'm curious what some of those issues are so that uh, our listeners know what kind of projects and what kind of problems you're addressing that the community has identified. Sure. Well, well in the past, it typically has to do with um, issues that communities are facing based on changing climate and environmental issues. Here, a lot of farmers depend on the land. You know, they're, they're self-sustaining and sufficient farmers and with changing climates, erratic weather patterns, water shortages, um, depleting glaciers. This has a direct effect on people's livelihoods. And my background is more in the administration of these programs, but I'm not, my background is not in climate change or agriculture or things like that. So, you know, we'll bring students in that study geography, uh, environmental studies, uh, it, it kind of depends on what the specific issue is that our organization is working at on the time, but it usually has to do with um, agriculture and the environment. Cool. So could you tell us a little bit about, uh, you know, one of the projects that students who came down did with some community members and, and your role in that? One in particular that I'm focusing my dissertation on, and it has to do with an issue that has a community called Saclio a community that I live in actually has been dealing with for a long time. It's a community of farmers mm -hmm. and their irrigation system, their canal system over the past 25 years has been becoming more and more damaged to the point where it's having a, a real effect on, on their ability to irrigate their land and produce harvests enough so that they can support themselves and, and sell it on, on the market. So uh, I partnered with a group of engineers from the University of Louisville, from the JP Speed School of Engineering, and as well as some GIS professionals, which stands for Geographic Information Systems. And we came down with students and we partnered with the community to essentially map their canal system and come up with data on how much water that they're losing and why. And we captured all of that through digital maps so that the community here in Sapio could more effectively communicate the extent to which they were dealing with this challenge. So, for example, to the local municipality or other community leaders with the purpose of hopefully making a case enough so that they could get some support to fix their irrigation system. That's really cool. So when we are talking about action research, it sounds like the action part was through trying to foster some change in the community based on the research that you were doing with these students. Is that right? Yeah, that is right. Ultimately, that's what we're going for is, is trying to somehow improve the irrigation system or at least effectively give the community the, the means of communicating the, the severity of the issue so that they could then take ownership of dealing with it in the way that they feel is appropriate. Mm -hmm. that's, one of the, that's one of the distinctions that we try and dance around as an organization. And through my research, it's like, are we the ones as an organization, as partners in this community that should be taking the lead in creating some sort of change? Or is it more of a system where th that's not our responsibility, that's actually the community's responsibility, but we can help get there, right, through using certain participatory processes. That's really interesting. And that's a really important question. So it sounds like from what you've described already, we've talked about a change that you'd like to see achieved, the participatory or action ways in which um, you're doing your work, 
and the collaborative way of defining the process and the problem together with the community. So what you just talked about is kind of the self-reflexive or ethical stance that you need to have in terms of who's supposed to do the work and what's going on with the kind of ethical realm of having, you know, these one, you and I are both white dudes. So like, what is this white dude doing in Peru? But also how are these students coming down to actually do some real positive change instead of just coming down to either have a fun trip or to do something that the community may or may not actually want. So how do you address some of these issues? Uh, What makes it okay for you to be doing the research there? And how would you justify that or or explain that to our audience? All right. That's a, that's a great question. And, And it's a big one. Um, and it's something that I often dance around, but I think largely it boils down to the rich and sort of trust-based relationships that I, am, along with uh, people within my organization, have been building with the community of Sapio for years. You know, I just started my research in this particular program in 2017, but we've been working with Sapio for at least six or seven years at this point. And the reason why I even started doing this research is because through informal conversations with people in the community, they expressed to to me and to us that this this was a very serious, important issue that the community was facing. And I wouldn't go so far as to say that they asked for our help, but through discussions, it kind of organically led to this study and this program that I created through Louisville and our organization. So I feel like it's okay because because of that, right? Because it was a very organic bottom-up approach, um, which really did come from the community. Through that, we were able to facilitate a process where we decided collectively what type of outcomes we should be aspiring for. And it's, it's somewhat hands-off as far as I'm concerned, as far as what we're doing. A lot of the responsibility falls in the hands of the community. And ultimately when you know we get the community what we collectively decided, which was information, the project's gonna continue, but it's gonna be in their hands, not, not ours. So that's how I view my role um, from an ethical stance as far as why it's okay for me to be here and doing this type of project. Yeah, and just to highlight some things that you just said that I think are really important. One, you have really strong trusting relationships with the community. Two, a lot of the ideas came from informal conversations. So, you know, you're not having these power dynamics that could be problematic, but you're just having conversations and people are talking and through this organic bottom-up process, like you mentioned, these issues became identified, which then became more formalized and you facilitated that process. So you became more of a facilitator rather than the driver of the project. Is that right? Accurate across the board. I think in terms of this kind of thing, our readers might also want to learn a little bit about you as, as Adam, uh, because you know one of the important things about self-reflexivity in action research, and a lot of action research do this in all of the papers that they write, is tell a little bit about kind of where you come from, um, who you are in terms of what drives you to do this, and you know your position in Peru and, and how understand that. I grew up in the United States in South Florida. I went to high school in Phoenix. I'd say a middle-class family, but on the higher end, like I, I wouldn't say I was missing much from a privileged standpoint growing up. You know, after I graduated from the University of Miami with a bachelor's degree in business administration, 
I kind of was headed down the path of normalcy, if you will, you know, where in the States it's kind of standard where you graduate college and then you, you get a job and it's well paying and you eventually meet somebody, a family, house and so, so forth. But it, it didn't take long for me to realize that I wasn't really driven by money that wasn't connected with my happiness. So at some point, it didn't take long after I graduated where I took a gig teaching English out in South Korea. I like the idea of traveling. I like the idea of exploring different cultures. And through that experience, I was able to really embed myself in, in, in the culture, a culture different from my own. And I realized that was a passion of mine, not only like being exposed to other cultures, but doing what I can to, to help in, in less privileged areas and regions. And that led me to getting a master's in international development and public administration, Middlebury Institute of International Studies in Monterey, California. I became part of a, of a community there of other like-minded people that were really dedicated to social change. And as it was while there, I became part of a group of students, including my, my current colleague to head down to Peru, where we already had some relationships established to help build a greenhouse. And, you know, as a master's student, we, we learned a lot about the ethics of development, right? And essentially that as an outsider, you can't create change. You can't transform people, right? That has to be a process that happens from within, but you can help facilitate that process. So I, I really kind of got behind that approach and dedicated myself to continuing to formulate it. I formed our organization down here in Peru as a nonprofit and continue taking this responsible approach to development. And that, that's kind of my story, you know, and why I can get behind what we're doing because I'm highly critical of international development and the processes that a lot of nonprofits take. But I think that we're onto something unique here. And, you know, that ultimately connects with my research because at the, bottom, at the end of the day, what I'm trying to establish through my research is not just how can we improve our processes when campuses connect with communities, but how do community residents think that we should do that? Not how do I think that, not how do um, service learning professionals think about that, but what do the actual community residents think about that process? Mm -hmm. um, and that's how it all kind of connects between who I am and what I'm doing. Cool, that's really interesting. So in the spirit of action research, I have two more questions. Action research is all about continuous learning for everybody, right? So one of the things that I'm sure we'd all like to hear about is kind of what are the areas that you'd still like to learn about? What are things that you're still questioning and that you'd still like to explore? Well, for me, the pie in the sky is the actual change being created, right? So I can say till I'm blue in the face that this is all about change, but for me, that is what is the missing link you know it's it's how is all of the work that's going into my study as a researcher what is the specific change that we're going to see as an outcome of this and how did we get there and then further how can we take that and replicate it right because as an organization i'm looking at this as a little as somewhat of a case study that once we get to the bottom of those processes for creating actual change, well, my, the organization director side of me says, well, how can we then replicate that? 
Mm-hmm. Um, so that that's where I'm at at the moment as, I, as I'm collecting data and analyzing it. It's one of the practical applications of the work that I'm doing that can then be scaled out to continue achieving change in other communities that are facing similar issues. And then lastly, what is your vision for this podcast? You know, you're the co-host. What are you, what are you trying to do here? Uh, great question. So I think one of our original motivations behind doing this, you and I were having an informal chat one day here in Peru on a hike. And we were talking, I was talking about my experience as a doc student. You've already gotten through a doc program. And ultimately, you know, one of the challenges for me has been finding the most important and relevant information because there's such a wide body of literature do the digital libraries, you know, I, I just feel like it was such an inefficient system to get to the bottom of the information that you needed. So for me, having a streamlined process where we can hear from people about their experience in the field, their current studies in the field, seasoned action researchers, um, you know, up, up and coming action researchers about the work that they're doing and why and how um, I feel like I want that information. It's important information. And I think that should be streamlined to this up and coming field of next generation researchers. Mm -hmm. Um, I kind of feel as though action research is a little bit of an Island in the world of academia, Mm -hmm. um, but it's growing. And I think more and more people are going to start gravitating towards it. So I want this podcast to be a resource for those people up and coming and current um, that are interested in using research and data to actually create change in the communities that surround us. Sounds great. Yeah, I think this is going to do it for us for episode two. Thanks, Adam, for sharing all this about your work and your uh, project. Thanks for the good questions. And um, I just hope that this is something that you and I can continue to circle back to our own research in in up and coming episodes, Um, because not only do I hope this podcast becomes a resource for others, but I think it can be a resource for you and I as well, as we learn more about action research and how that, um, you know, what that means for us as action researchers. Yeah, absolutely. I think circling back to our research and our projects, will add a lot of value to us, hopefully to the listeners as well, in depth and nuance to some of these issues and questions. There's a lot more I'd like to explore with you about your work. It sounds really interesting. And I know we've talked about it before, but it's interesting to hear how, it, how it's kind of evolving. And I think as you continue your research and we start to talk with other actual researchers, it's going to be a really cool way to have some dialogue and some good interaction about different issues within action research. Because as a field, action research is fraught with tensions and possibilities different people address those tensions and possibilities in different ways. So it's really valuable, I think, for us to explore some of those. So thanks again, Adam. This was great. There's a lot more to discuss. And I think moving forward, we'll definitely be circling back to these things. Yeah, no, that sounds good. And just real quick, now, now that you interviewed me, you're, you're next, right? I'm next. Yeah, we'll do episode three. Adam's going to interview me. So you can hear a little bit about the stuff that I've been working on and, uh, you know, exploring this and then moving forward. Sounds good. Look, looking forward to it. I'll talk to you soon, Joe. And thanks to everybody for listening. Yep. Thanks, Adam. And thanks to Shika for her help on the work with uh, the production. Take care, everybody. Bye. Yeah.